Hey, this is Rob Rufus. I'm the author of Die Young With Me, a memoir. This is Shauna Kenny. I'm the author of a memoir called I Was a Teenage Dominatrix and a few other books. And my latest book I co-authored with my husband, Rich Dollinger, and it's called Live at the Safari Club. It's a history of hardcore punk in the nation's capital from 1988 to 1998. I'm super excited to be talking to you about your upcoming book, Live at the Safari Club. I already pre-ordered it. It looks so fucking cool. Thank you. Thank you for pre-ordering. Yeah, I... uh, well, I I've played in DC a lot. Yeah, and I'm, but I've never I never got to go to the Safari Club. And I mean, did you spend a lot of time there when you were a kid? I guess. Um. Yeah. Well, I mostly went to the 9:30 Club when I was yeah. a teenager. That was the the main you know alternative club. And I went to clubs in Baltimore as well. I grew up in Southern Maryland, which is probably equally as far away from both of those cities. So those were my two main hubs. And then I worked at the Safari Club. I started booking shows there when I was 18. So I booked fans there for two years. And then there were two sets of promoters that came after me. So it kind of kept going. I was there 88 to 90. And then there was a guy named John Cornerstone that was there from like 92 to 95. And then Martin Castro from 95 to 98 when it burned down. Uh, man, you must have seen so many amazing bands though yeah i feel fortunate now looking back and and i feel lucky to have you know grown up near dc so that i could see a lot of the, the yeah stuff you know god i mean i grew up in west virginia in the middle of yeah. nowhere but um i would go to richmond a lot for shows oh, and a, yeah. lot of those D, a lot of those dc bands would go down there and I I can only imagine working at a club like that the time you did. I mean, you must have seen so many bands that ended up blowing up, you know? Yeah, um, and even the ones that didn't. I just feel like it was a really active, like, creatively vital scene. And Richmond had a really great scene, too. Did you go to shows at uh, the Metro or Twisters there? Yeah, I went to Twisters and um, Alley Cats. And um, one called Nancy Reagan. The Reagan. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was trying to think of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the God, it was just like a revelation to me. You know, I never, I never been anywhere that had shows like that. Yeah, and it, so I, anyway, point being, I'm excited for the book. It looks <laughs> so cool. Thank you. Um, I, I I was I haven't read your whole book. I just read the first chapter. But like me, you grew up in a small town. I was in Southern Maryland and you were in West Virginia. And it seems like music was your salvation. No doubt. Yeah. You know, you guys like hearing the music coming from that storefront in the beginning, (laughs) following and not even knowing what it was, but knowing it was the most exciting thing that you'd ever heard, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Man, I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. I mean, I I just started your book as well, actually, your memoir, and I just, it's so fucking interesting to me. (laughs) I I just think about, like, so when you first did press around that book, did you do book events? And if so, what kind of crowds came? (laughs) You know, know, it was really diverse. I mean, it was like 
Riot Girls and punks. And then there sometimes there would be like a, a lurker, like former client type lurking in the back. <laughs> really? <laughs> Waiting until the reading was over, too. <laughs> just wanted to, like, confess his desires or, you know, or special yeah. autograph or whatever. Um, <laughs> it was really cool. It was a cool mix of things. And then I had a lot of cool blasts from the past on my on that book tour, too. Like, really? people I'd gone to high school with and um, or people in bands that I'd booked years ago that I hadn't seen for a long time, you know, who'd seen my name in the paper or whatever and yeah, um, came out. So it was, it was a, a bunch of nice surprises. And my podcast <laughs> really helped with that too, because I was on an indie publisher and I booked the whole tour myself. I just, I knew how to do that because I'd worked with bands when yeah. I was and I had that whole DIY thing, which I'm sure has served you as well. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I... I just think that's so rad. It's such a brave thing to write about, you know, and such an interesting fucking thing. I, <laughs> and it made me think, I only have one story about a dominatrix. Uh-huh. And um, I was in Albuquerque and we played a show and I met a girl there and, and we all went, we went back to a party. And so everybody's partying and hanging out. And I start talking to this girl, and she's telling me that she's a dominatrix. And I was like, oh, shit, that's, that's cool. And, um, and I was, like, really kind of interested in what she had to say. But then she said, well, I live with my parents. Oh, wow. So I can't – we can't go back there, but I have a Ford Bronco and all my dominatrix gear in the car. <laughs> and I, I couldn't do it. I was like, oh, this is too fucking weird. Yeah, too weird. especially the living with the parents still. Yeah, yeah. You're like, anyway. I didn't expect that. Yeah, what? it's like a mobile dominatrix unit. <laughs> hey, someone needs to invent that app. Maybe. It'll- oh, I know. God. I don't know. Because I, when I was doming, it was like pre-cell phones. I just had a pager. So. Really? Yeah. <laughs> God, that's so that's genius though. Like why the fuck are we writing? You know, we can make millions of dollars off that. <laughs> there must be somebody who knows how to code who's listening. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. But that's really cool. Like I, I just when I started the book, I was like, oh, this must have been I mean the book's so interesting, but just everything that came after it must have been really interesting for you. Yeah. Yeah. It it brought me lots of good things. I mean, by the time I wrote the book, I was well out of the scene and, and it really was just a job for me. I'm not a lifestyle dominatrix. Some people are, and that's cool, but um, it was really just a way to pay for school. And yeah, the time I, I wrote about it, I had a few years perspective, a few years out of the business. And, and if I wrote it now, it'd be a very different book. Now it's been you know, 16 years. Yeah. So it's so so cool, though, because, you know, like it being a job for you, I feel like gives you such a more broad perspective to write about it than, for instance, if you were obsessed with the lifestyle and you were just like in it 100 percent. Like, so I think that's a lot of what makes the book really dynamic. You know, it's really cool. (laughs) 
Maybe. I, although, you know, some people got mad at me for writing it because I was not lifestyle. So you never know what's going to happen when you publish it. As I'm oh, sure God. people get mad yeah. at you or praise you for the oddest things. Yeah, it's, it's fucking strange, you know. <laughs> I mean, at least for me, like, when I finished the memoir and it came out, I, I kind of, I was able to separate myself from it in my yeah. own head, you know, like now it was this thing that I was out, even if when I did book events and things like that, I wasn't, I wasn't overcome with the story or my own experiences, you know, I was just mm -hmm. talking about this thing as if I was promoting a record. Um, interesting. But it's not like that when people just read it and they want to talk to you about all this personal stuff and yeah. you're like, oh, they feel oh. like they know you. And yeah, that can be intense and scary sometimes. It's a, it's a trip. I mean, and and especially you know my book, a lot of it's about cancer. So I get emails every day from people. Yeah. And and they're so sweet, but they're always like really really heavy. Yeah. And really, and I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah. Life is so fucked up. You know, I get a daily yeah. reminder, which is cool though. This. Then, yeah, then that's the beauty of putting your story out there is, you know, all of these people feel like they can connect to you. Yeah, it's but it's it's surreal, man. And so I so anyway, I can only imagine I can only imagine what that was like for you <laughs> as well. <laughs> Um, I wanted to know a little bit about what your publishing journey was. Like, had you written much before this book, or how did the book come about? No, like, I, honestly, my publishing journey, so I hadn't written a lot. I mean, I'd written a few articles. I'd written for a couple of magazines and websites and, and whatnot. And I, was, I was just this avid reader, and so I started working on the book. I, I just had this moment that I was like, the only difference between people that want to write a book and people that write a book is just fucking doing it. You yep, know, like yeah. if Snooki can get a book out, then fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Do you think you wrote it though? <laughs> yeah. So I started working on it. And, and once it was done, once I had a manuscript I thought was readable, I, I kind of did what I did when I was in middle school trying to get my band a record deal like I because nobody took it seriously I mean nobody I, I worked in the music industry and nobody took it seriously nobody took me seriously so I just would go through books I dug like I used to go through liner notes I'd make a list of authors I'd find their agents Oh, wow. I'd make a, I made a huge list of agents. I sent like 100 manuscripts out, not really expecting to hear back. Yeah. I heard back. I started hearing back from some. I got one agent that shopped it around and then was like, nobody's interested in this. You should just self-publish it. Oh, and wow. then I remembered, I remembered another agent had called me and left me a really sweet voicemail and I got in touch with her and was like, hey, if I, if I cut ties with my agency, would you want to work this? And she said, yeah. And I fired my agent and hired her. And oh, wow. a month later, I got a fucking book deal with Simon & Schuster. 
Oh, wow. That's great. That's a great story. I teach memoir at UCLA Extension, and I just, I love for my students to hear all of these different stories just so that they know there is no one path. And yeah, sometimes you do have to trust your instincts and just not be deterred, you know? I, I know. And I think, you know, being in the music scene made me like I've I've failed so much, you know, like you get so much rejection when you play music or even in the scene at all that uh, you you get hardened to it a little bit. So I think that that really helped me. I mean, in my head, like a no is the second best answer you can get in the entertainment <laughs> industry, you know, <laughs> so like. I was like, well, maybe I'll get some no's, and at least I know they fucking looked at my email. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like bands and and writers, they just, that can be the hardest thing for them sometimes is not even creating, but being able to push through that, that field of rejection until yeah. they, they get somewhere else. Yeah, and it's hard. It's, you don't I know. know. I don't know. Did you know a lot of other writers when you started writing? Mm-mm. No, I, I honestly I didn't know any. I was so out of my depth. Yeah. Um, and and so that was the only way I kind of like like you said about booking shows and booking book events. Like I knew how to fucking. <laughs> I was sending demos out to discord and epitaph when i was in seventh grade you know yeah. i'm still waiting to hear i'm still waiting to hear back <laughs> i love that you said that in your book you know while while we were waiting to hear back from epitaph <laughs> i know <laughs> i i am perpetually waiting <laughs> well um, it's funny how, in, how epitaph must have seemed so far away too you oh know. god yeah i mean it, it, well, it was strange because, you know, when I first got into the music, I just, I simultaneously thought all punk bands and like alt rock bands were small, but also huge and rich and had tons of hot girls loving them and fucking made a lot of money. Like, <laughs> so you thought more like rock and roll. <laughs> well, I thought like, like there would be one bad religion cassette. Mm-hmm. in our town so like if i got it i was like nobody's ever fucking heard of this band yeah. i thought it was like that everywhere you know yeah but i simultaneously thought they were this untouchable fucking unit and then when i found that like i remember my friend's buddy came in town from orlando or somewhere and he was like i, I don't remember what band we were listening to but he was like i can't believe you guys listen to this top 40 bullshit and i was like top 40 this is this is like the most underground fucking music this is the cutting edge dude and i and i had no idea so yeah i mean it it seems so far away and and honestly that has kind of been the best thing about my book coming out is i i reconnected with that fact so much and it really puts things into context like yeah. I, I gauge everything about how I would feel about it if I was 15 yeah yeah <laughs> and and it's great I mean I feel more like a kid now than I have in, in 15 years yeah that's cool yeah I mean now you must see yourself 
I mean, you're, you're playing the, in those circles, you know, those are your peers now. And yeah, you probably look at things in a different way being ex an experienced musician now. Yeah. It's, uh, I feel really fortunate, you know, and, um, Oh, here's a question I wanted to ask in, in your <laughs> new book, who from Danzig did you interview? Um, Todd youth. <laughs> that's so cool no no but i love danzig so much he played with them for a little while and um he was also from murphy's law that's the main yeah and, um reagan youth was his first band which is hence the name todd youth that's so cool yeah so i'm I, yeah i'm really excited to read those interviews like how how did you get in touch with with a lot of those people just um, you some of them I was still in touch with from when I booked bands in the 80s. And then some of them we kind of just tracked down. My husband and I worked on this for like six years. <laughs> um, <I bet. laughs> so it's a relief to know that it's at the printer and going to be real and out in the world soon. Because it's it was really just done piece by piece over a long stretch of time. And we didn't know if we were going to publish it ourselves or if we'd find a small publisher who'd believe in it. Um, and we were open to whatever, but, um, yes, a, a lot of it was, a lot of the interviews were just done like backstage before yeah. a show or in the alley after the show or jump in my car. Can we spend a few minutes with you or let's Skype a few people who've moved to other countries. So it was a lot of that, like just collecting the interviews. Yeah. We weren't really sure how we were going to structure this. Um, and then we ended up kind of pulling the interviews apart and making it into an oral history with like a true, telling a true narrative. So that is what was really time consuming. Once we had the interviews, breaking them apart, you know, reading through all of them. First of all, transcribing, yeah. you know, hundreds of hours of interviews. Um, Rich types better than I do. He types like a 1950s secretary. Um, <laughs> really slow. <laughs> but... Um, like transcribing and then reading through what we had and then pulling that material apart and putting quotes together in a way that tells a story was really time consuming. Um, I can't even imagine. I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my God. We're really happy with the, the way it turned out. And, you know, lots of stuff happened along the way. And of course we both work full time and this is a side passion project for us so we really just had to get to it whenever we had little bits of time and at one point um we were living in pasadena and our house was broken into and our computers were stolen and not all the views were backed up and so we've had some bumps along the way but god um, you know we just kept at it and i mean we were working on it for so long i felt like people thought we were lying <laughs> yeah, I understand. I I totally understand that. <laughs> that feeling when you have like a long term project. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, and we spoke to a couple indie publishers like PM Press and AK and um, people like that, and they each had different visions for the book and um, sort of wanted it to fit into, you know, like catalogs that they already had going or one of the style. Um, so we were kind of um, thinking that we would just kickstarter it and 
do it ourselves. And then a few people mentioned Rare Bird to me and, and Tyson, and I didn't know him, but uh, there were enough people that said, you know, he's a real music lover, and I think he would get this. And, and I, I submitted a book proposal through the website, and he answered me in a month, and um, we went in for a meeting, and they've made it happen, which we're so grateful for. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so are you thinking of doing any, like, show, like release show? Yeah. Um, we've got a couple things planned already. We should have books in time, but there's this big punk festival here at the end of June, early July, called Rev Fest, put on by Revelation Records. Uh-huh. Uh, and a lot of those New York hardcore bands that are on Revelation are playing at that festival and many of them are in our book so we're going to have books at rev fest and then we're going to do an event called it's not dead big punk Dude, festival. i know i want to go it so bad yeah in august it's in san bernardino and they're going to have an author art tent and they're they're blowing up some pages from our book and some flyers and uh, we'll do a signing there and we'll do an event at skylight books here in LA in the fall and we're planning to do something at the DC public library this fall. We'll do like a, a punk talk with a slideshow. <laughs> and that's so cool. Yeah. And we'll do Baltimore and New York our, our key cities where we have bands. So that's so, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. Man, yeah. That's <laughs> the, I, I, I love it. It should and be. I've had the, I've had, have any of the bands that are in it seen it yet, or, or do you? Wait? Nobody. Yeah, no one has seen it yet. Um, because what about what about like with your memoir? Did you did you share it with anybody, or did you wait until you you had copies? Yeah, I didn't share it with anyone except for the people who wrote blurbs for me. Um. <laughs> yeah. Same, no. Same here. I, no fucking way. <laughs> I don't want to get influenced by somebody else's feelings, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and I know that's a tough one. I know there you know, some people maybe wished that I had shown it to them and others who, you know, were pleasantly surprised. So, yeah, it's a mixed bag. I was pretty young when I wrote it. I was 28, and I wrote it in the naivete of thinking that no one would ever read it. Um, yeah. Yeah really tiny press and I thought you know maybe a few of their subscribers would buy it but you know I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't understand how much press it would get and how many people I'd eventually have to answer to <laughs> so <laughs> there's a beauty in that but there's a little bit of a danger in that too yeah I mean seriously I like I said though it's so gutsy to I, I just fucking love it. <laughs> I mean, it's so provocative, you know. And where do you live now? Are you in New York? No, I live in Nashville now. I've lived oh, here yeah. like twelve years. Oh, cool. And it's love yeah, it's it's cool. It's well, I moved here because I, I wanted to move to LA from West Virginia, mm-hmm. but um, one I couldn't afford it, and two, like it would have just fucking eaten me alive. When I moved here, at least it was still hillbilly enough that i felt comfortable yeah. even though it was a city you know and uh it's changed so much now though it's like a, well now everybody in la wants to move to nashville so yeah i know and i have no fucking idea why <laughs> i have friends but, who shot movies there and like come home talking about 
moving there for good. People love it, man. It's it's yeah. crazy. I uh I I don't know. But when <laughs> I moved when I moved here, I was just happy there was restaurants to eat at. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> like I, it blew my fucking mind. I, <laughs> and so my bar for what makes a cool city is is changing gradually. As I it used to be pretty low. <laughs> Do you know a band called Friendship Commanders? No. They're a duo, and they're really rad. They live in Nashville, uh, husband and wife, and the uh, husband plays drums, and the wife uh, plays guitar and sings, and she has a rad voice. Look them up. Oh, that's cool. What? Can, so can you imagine doing that? Like, what What did you think about working with your... your yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, it was interesting (laughs) because he's you know he's not a writer he's he is a musician um so he played in punk bands and has toured um and he works in construction he's uh, a tile setter by trade so this is a little bit out of his realm but he was just he went to the club for many years before we met um so he was just as passionate about the subject as i am um and maybe even more so (laughs) because i kind (laughs) of forgot about it and left it behind for a while and he's he's always just had the faith and and been so into hardcore you know all of his teenhood and adult life and um it was it was cool to do a project like this together we don't have kids so we joke like some people have babies we have a book together but he's like he's terrified about when we uh, go out on the road to do events. He says that he's going to make me do all the talking because I have the experience. So. Yeah, I, I I don't blame him for that. <laughs> this shit is horrifying. Yeah, are you, do you get nervous with readings? Oh my god, I I like either I have a drink or I have a flat. <laughs> I have a flask that said this says like rub medication <laughs> that I bring with me, you know, cause I just, I fucking hate it. And you know, I play drums so like I can kind of hide in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, anybody that writes is gen- generally a fucking weirdo anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I feel his pain. But you, yeah. you should do, you should do one event where you just don't say shit. That's what I've threatened. And like, <laughs> to clam up and point to you and let you answer all the questions. <laughs> but it is, it's different, right? I mean, the, on my other book tours, I've always wished that I had a band. I'm like, at least bands have a few other people on stage with them. For There's sure. Rottery, but as a writer, you're just up there so alone and sweating bullets and waiting for it all to be over <laughs> and wondering if your words are landing in the right way. And, you know, it's I'm usually fine after talking to people and signing books. Um, I'm just relieved that it's that I'm not on stage yeah. anymore. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, I know it's what, well, and I just have, I just want to go like. Read the book. I don't want to talk about the book. Just read it. I'm like, let's talk about something else. Like, yeah, let's talk about fucking Donald Trump. Like, uh, <laughs> right. or whatever. Like anything, anything I else with this. I know. That uh, yeah, I, I struggle. So I feel his pain. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> like I would, I would almost co-author a book just so I didn't have to fucking do that by myself. Right. Yeah. And that that's kind of the magic of this too, because I don't think either one of us would have done this by ourselves. It was definitely like a collaborative idea 
and project. And even so, we feel weird calling ourselves authors. We feel like we're just curators because we didn't really write much. We wrote an introduction, but we, um, you know, we did the footwork of doing these interviews and then putting the narrative together. But it was such a community effort. People sent us photos from all over the world. Um, some people who we didn't know sent us flyers and um, shared their stories with us. So it really was, I don't know, it's for our community and it really was a community effort. That's going to be so cool. Uh, I'm so excited. I can't fucking imagine how much work that was, though. It was a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, truly, like, but I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to read it and especially to see a lot of those photos. It's going to be so cool. Yeah, me too. Okay. I, can't, I can hold it in my hands. Yeah, oh, yeah, I bet. And I'll believe it's really real. So are you still doing events for Die Young with me? Um, every once in a while, but I'm, and I'm, I just want to, um, American Library Association thing. Oh, award. congratulations. Thanks. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to go up to Chicago for their, the, they do like the Newberry medal and shit like that. Oh so God, Rob, that's amazing. <laughs> it's, that's so I, I was just like, what is what does this country come to? You know, I, I, I found that I won it. Like, I found that I won it. Like, like maybe a couple of weeks after Donald Trump got elected president and oh, wow. everything else was going on, and I was just like, "What the fuck is wrong with people? Like, I, this is insane. Oh, no. this, I'm dis- disturbed." Beautiful. <laughs> The, you know, it's I, I have very much of the attitude of that um, Groucho Marx quote where he's like, I would never want to be a part of any club that would have me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I just I just I don't say shit, but I'm just like, what a, you guys are fucking insane <laughs> to, even, to invite me here. Well, you're very humble, but congratulations. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. Are you going to write another book? Yeah, I'm I'm um I'm working on one right now actually. Um it's another it's a novel, it's another YA book um okay. about these kids that are trying to figure out how to avoid the draft in 1968. Oh wow. Okay. And um and that was when a lot of people were getting busted for dereliction of duty because so many people were trying to avoid the draft. Mm-hmm. And so the methods they used were becoming really common. Mm-hmm. Like if you shot yourself in the foot or you cut off part of your finger oh, yeah. or whatever, like then you would go to jail. Uh-huh. So they were trying to find an original way to do it. And and they decide to go through their record collection and blow out their hearing so they can't so they can't do it. And it and it works. Wow. So then as an act of protest, they they decide to try to blow the eardrums out of everybody in their senior class. Oh, God. <laughs> There's a little bit of a Heather's element there. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm, and I'm working on some screenplay stuff. And, awesome. And, yeah, it's which has been strange, but. Yeah, I'm. Uh, dabbling in that now too 
I bet. I can't, After avoiding I, I, it for a long, 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 long time. I'm, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm ready to dive right in. You know, I, I was just out in L.A. And, um, I mean, you, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine how easy it would be to sell the rights to your memoir. I mean, my God. But I... I've I was, it like 13 times. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's been optioned over and over and over again. Um, and no one has been able to get it past that stage. A couple times scripts were written. Um, sometimes I was allowed to read them. Sometimes I wasn't. Um, but this last time, I decided not to go with the last producer who was interested last year. And I wrote my own pilot. So I now have an agent at Gersh, and he's shopping it around. See, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, so after, like really like 16 years of saying, no, 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 I don't know how to screenwrite. I'll leave that to the experts. I, I do this other kind of writing. I've finally uh, gotten up the courage to, to try, try it out. Yeah. What the heck? And, I, and that, that, that is kind of what, I mean, it didn't, I didn't spend that long, mm-hmm. but I definitely, the, what bothered me was the thought of like, you know, if you sell your book rights, you're going to get paid the same whether the movie bombs or if, yeah. or if it does great or if the TV show gets canceled or if it does great. Uh-huh. But um, the thought of some fucking hack mm-hmm. that's like coked up in a Starbucks, just <laughs> like piecing together my book, <laughs> making more money than me. Yeah. Just, oh, it makes my skin curl. Yeah. So that was enough to motivate you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm like, shit, give me some of that, dude. I'll finish this in two weeks, too. <laughs> like, I, I'll try to meet whatever crazy Hollywood fucking deadline you guys have. Yeah. And the truth is, but, you know the story better than anyone. You're the expert. So. Yeah. So it's been it's been strange, but, man, that's exciting. Cool. Who, who would you want to play you? Uh, I don't know. You know, that answer has changed over the years because um, everyone I originally wanted is too old now. <laughs> That's the same here. Like when people ask me that, I have no scope of who is an actor now. Yeah, like who's a young yeah play a teenager. I, I say like Bruce Willis and Moonlighting. <laughs> you know, like that. I have, I have no fucking idea. I don't. I don't know. Right. Mine used to be Reese Witherspoon or Christina Ricci, but now like they won't. Or, or Drew Barrymore, but now I think you know. I like this young actor she's also a writer she started a website called rookie her name is tavi jevinson mm-hmm. um, i don't even know if i'm saying her name right tavi Jevinson, but i really like her and think she's cute and she could play me so. that's cool that, uh, hey well i would uh if you need any extras <laughs> keep me in mind you know okay. <laughs> but well, um I'll meet you next time you're out in la yeah, I, I was going to say, it's it's been nice talking to you. I, I honestly might try to come out for It's Not Dead Fest. So if oh. I do, if I do I, I'd love to meet you guys. Definitely. Let us know. And we'll hang out. See you in the pit. <laughs> Shit. No, I, 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 flew up to Chicago. I flew up to Chicago for the Misfits uh-huh. reunion. And um, me and my brother were like, standing in front of the stage they were gonna play all day we're like we're fucking staying (laughs) right here i don't even care yeah but right when they started it was like (laughs) 
it, it was like every gas station attendant from every small town in America congregated to this one fucking show, like some kind of pilgrimage. And yeah. I just, I thought I was going to die, like right away. We were like, we're going to fucking die. Oh, and then a, then a girl beside us, her boyfriend was trying to carry her out. And he's like, help, oh, we're trying to get out. She broke her leg. And these people fuck her and threw her down. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God. Wow. So I yeah. never again. No, no. I was like. Back, old people in the back. Come on. Yeah, I was like hanging onto my brother's back trying to get out of there like it was fucking casualties of war or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pathetic. I mean, truly, it, it was fucking Good. pathetic. <laughs> well, I'll see you in the but, nice, nice, safe author. Yeah, nice talking to you. Okay, I will talk to you later. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, Bye. thank you. Bye.